0: Uno dos, tres, cuatro, cinco six siete ocho.
1: What is going on? Arden's welling Ben Nicholson Smith for At the Letters here at the Courtyard Marriott Beach Marina on beautiful Clearwater water beach in the background. You could see uh, I don't know whatever body of water that is, I don't know if that's technically the Gulf of Mexico still or what they call it. Uh, you might be able to see the miles of traffic that you'll sit in for about 700 hours if you ever want to come over here from Clearwater as I did this morning. And uh, we're here to talk a little ball, talk a little Blue Jays, because I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm going back to Toronto. I've been here for far too long and written far too much and done far too many of these things. I'm going to pass the baton. You know, Shy came in and like started the game Five and dive. I was like the low leverage middle innings guy who came in to the spots where like I couldn't screw it up too bad just kind of handled those fifth, sixth innings. And now we're bringing in the closer. And now it's leverage. Now it counts and it matters. And Ben's here to take this thing home.
2: Well, some would say the middle innings were high leverage this year with the Chapman acquisition, the Kikuchi acquisition. So you you may have pitched the middle innings, but it was high leverage. Well, I thank Amal Delich and Nick Andrade, who have been down here uh, with us for the last
1: few days, producing some really cool stuff. Some cool stuff coming on Sportsnet's YouTube, on ATL's podcast feed, on Sportsnet.ca, you're gonna be able to find this content. We're gonna put it everywhere that you want it. Some pretty cool interviews. Alejandro Kirk, Alec Manoa, Mark Shapiro is gonna take us around the PDC. Really excited for everybody to see that stuff.
2: Yeah, honestly, it was it was really cool. And it's not out right now. So, you know, we'll we'll need some patience on this one. But it was so fun having the chance to sit down with a bunch of those guys and really talk some baseball, talk about the PDC, talk about you know, life even. So we've got some really exciting stuff coming. And it was stuff that, you know, really, you're only going to get that at spring training, like last year, of course, we weren't down here for obvious reasons. And so you end up with a really different kind of experience for us selfishly. And hopefully, for those of you who are watching and listening, there'll be something more to kind of take away from it.
1: Buddy, we're going to blink and it's going to be opening day. 46,000 people, I assume, that they're going to pack that game out. You know, in the the Sportsnet army is going to be on the field. The media throng is going to be around. Players are going to be hiding everywhere, not wanting to be bothered on their way back from batting practice. Because, like, as we sit here right now, we are, what, 10 days out? Like, it, it has felt long. Like, spring training always feels long. We were having a chat with somebody in Blue Jays organization the other day who was like, yeah, it still feels long. But really, I mean, it's been quick as well. You see 15 players sent out the other day. It kind of is becoming go time right now.
2: The lockout was lasting deep into March, I guess it was, that it finally got resolved. So it feels like things have moved really quickly. And it feels like for you and for Shy and for others who have been down here, it's been a long time. But for me, it's, it feels like it's come really quickly. And I think you're right. I think opening day is going to be here in a flash. And then at that point is the Jays play 30 games in 31 days right out of the gates? So there's really no time to rest. And I think that informs the way they're going to build their roster. Yeah, it's going to be a couple
1: innings to chew up that first week of the season. I'm only really expecting starters to be up to like 85 pitches. If you really had to push like a Jose Barrios, maybe you could go to 90. But, you know, it's going to be pretty constrained in that first week. So. I expect the Blue Jays are going to carry 10 relievers. Uh, not all those pitchers are going to be strict one inning relievers. Like, I think you're going to see a Ross stripling in there who could come in and pitch three to four innings behind somebody. You're going to see a Nate Pearson in there. I don't know. might see a start in the first like 10 days of the season as the Blue Jays look to sort of manage workloads. So it is going to be a robust and crowded
2: bullpen to start the season. But I think the Blue Jays are going to go deep into it and use everybody. I mean, Charlie Montoya was saying the other day, he's not ruling out a 10-man bullpen. You know, I think you probably have six spots that are pretty much spoken for. You look at Romano, Mesa, Simber, Richards, Jimmy Garcia, or Stripling. And then, you know, beyond that, it's so remarkable because in years past, like I feel like there's always a fifth starter spot up for grabs or, you know, there's a starting job up for grabs. This team, it's just like, it's set. And maybe maybe something will change. Right. Like weird things happen in Florida. Weird things happen in spring training all the time. So there could easily be somebody trips on a step or a sprinkler head, and you hope it doesn't happen. But that ever happened before. (laughs) It certainly has. So, you know, that would change everything. But as we record this right now on an off day, the last off day of the Blue Jays spring, they seem to just be in a pretty good spot. So there's those six spots they're spoken for. I'd throw
1: Merriweather in there. I think he's on this team with healthy, and I think that he is healthy. I think Ryan Barucki gets onto this team just because he's out of options. I mean, maybe it would have gotten interesting if there were still 26-man rosters. With the 28-man rosters, yeah, I think Barucki's on this roster. I think Nate Pearson's on this roster. So that's six plus three is nine. One more spot i would say david phelps he'd need a 40-man spot the blue jays have a 40-man spot it's going to depend on health with phelps he ripped his lat muscle completely off of his shoulder last year and had it surgically reattached And a bit of like, it's not an experimental procedure, but it's not a procedure that's been done a whole lot. Jake Peavy was the first 'er to ever have that procedure done and it's only been done on a handful of guys since. So David Phelps needs to make sure like everything is a okay. Velo's there. He's recovering fine. I wrote all about this at sportsnet.ca if you want to read more about it. But I think if David Phelps is healthy, he's on this team
2: and there's your 10. Like it's kind of remarkable. And so at that point, You're optioning guys like a Taylor Saucedo, you're optioning a Trent Thornton, and you're certainly having those guys available on call. But I agree, to me, that's the 10. And so as you mentioned with Phelps, he's kind of one guy who would need an open 40-man spot. There are two spots that are now open. So Greg Bird, if you start looking at the bench... He's probably the other. And and this is where I wrote about this as that this morning. He started doing the math. Okay. So ten relievers, five starters, so that's fifteen. So you know they're gonna have thirteen spots for position players. So you got seven that are in there basically every day in Springer, Vladdy, Bo, Lourdes, Teoscar, and Jansen. So then you have Kirk, Espinal, and Biggio. Those guys are gonna play a lot. And you could probably throw Reese McGuire onto that roster. You certainly have Rymal Tapia. That brings you to twelve. So all of a sudden, you've got one more active roster spot. We're thinking that's probably Greg Bird. Greg Bird needs a 40-man spot. They got two of them. So let's say, in theory, it goes to Bird and to Phelps. All of a sudden, that's your roster. Now, again, (laughs) things might change and probably will change. But like as we sit here today, I can never remember in spring training, 10 days away from opening day, being able to say, yeah, like the roster could kind of be set course with the asterisks that
1: things can change dude by the time that we release this <laughs> yeah. two of those people will have been like crushed by anvils one of them will have disappeared into the woods to do ayahuasca it's possible i mean all kinds of things we are attempting so much fate even just every word you just said i know was just asking for fate to come back and bite us in the rear end so uh, it's going to be on almost uh, to get this thing out real quick i think you're right if i could just stick on the bullpen was there anyone else and I'll answer this first to give you time to t- think about it. Was there anyone else that really impressed you that isn't in that 10 man group? Taylor Sacedo is having a really nice camp. Like he's looking really strong. He was obviously on this team last year. He's in that like unfortunate position of being new in your MLB career, still having minor league options. Like he is positioned to be that guy up and down, up and down, up and down over the course of the year he was looking really good against like a pretty high caliber of hitting. And he's also flashing this sort of cool new changeup that he was telling me about and that I plan to write about at some point. I actually mentioned it on the last podcast. It's in my like bank of in the folder all this stuff that I collected and didn't get to because people kept getting traded for and, and getting into all kinds of trouble. So he learned this changeup watching Kevin Gosman grips on Twitter, <laughs> like on Pitching Ninja. Cool. Kevin Gosman, as I'm talking to Taylor Sosaedo, is on the other side of the clubhouse. And I asked him, I was like, have you actually gone and talked to Kevin about that? He's like, I haven't even introduced myself to him Oh, yet. wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so maybe it's actually good I didn't write about it yet. So hopefully Taylor Sosaedo can have that conversation before I uh, write about how he stole Kevin Gosman's changeup. But that's one arm that I think like looks really impressive in this camp have you had enough time to come up with one of your own
2: no i I really haven't i hope (laughs) to next episode but you know i think that it's funny you mentioned that though with those two guys and not having talked to each other because it just it's such a spring training thing you have so many people there and you kind of assume like they're teammates right like they must know each other but it's like any big organization like you're just not going to know everyone so you can legitimately have these guys who are on the same team major leaguers and they haven't necessarily met. So that just speaks to spring training.
1: Kevin Gosman, very approachable guy, I will say that. And has been great for our purposes, you know, chatting in the clubhouse every morning. He kind of, it's funny, he sits in his locker with his cup of coffee, like a legit actual mug. It's not in like a disposable paper cup. He has a mug and he sits there and kind of sips his coffee and sort of holds court. He's like a really interesting guy. We're going to talk to him on the podcast, learn a bit about him. So looking forward to everybody seeing that. What did you make of names like Anthony K Thomas Hatch who were parts of this team recently right like you know, had roles to play in 2020 and 21 as well sort of swing men in a way some spot starts here some bullpen appearances there what did you make of the fact they were sent out, in my opinion, somewhat early yeah. for guys with their, ex- their experience?
2: I agree. I think that they were sent out early. It kind of says to me that they probably have fallen on the Blue Jays' depth chart. They probably haven't necessarily impressed this team to the point that they feel like they're on that cusp and they're on that bubble and they just need to get more looks at them. If they were pushing that hard, they would have kept them around. So it doesn't seem as though... Hatch and K, Josh Palacios too, for that matter, Otto Lopez, some of those guys who are optioned, doesn't seem like they're on that cusp, which is interesting. And, you know, you look around that clubhouse and there are a lot of failed starters, if you want to call them that. And that's maybe harsh, but let's say converted starters um, (laughs) who, uh, you know, Joe Biagini, right? Ryan Barucki, Thomas Hatch, Anthony K. These guys were at various points in the last five years. They have all been, hey, what if they could actually put it all together and some of them are useful major league relievers and have been. And others like Kay and Hatch have kind of fallen down.
1: No, absolutely. And like I wrote about this a bit with Barucky the other day. The Blue Jays are out of this phase where they can give guys run at the big league level to figure stuff out. We're like, yeah, we really believe in this guy's tools. We think he could put it all together. Let's give him this big league opportunity. Like the Blue Jays, it's about winning Mm -hmm. right now. So when they're doling out opportunity, they can't have that level of leniency anymore. It's got to be, hey, are you producing? Like, are you putting up results right now, today? You saw it last year with Ryan Baraki, who got optioned for the first time since he made his big league debut for performance Not option because of an injury, option for performance towards the end of last year. And Baraki admitted to me when I talked to him, like, yeah, I wasn't good enough Mm. to be on this team. Like, I was not getting the results. I wasn't of the caliber that was needed to help this team get to the postseason. Towards the end of last year, we saw it with Randall Gritchick's playing time, Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s defensive playing Mm -hmm. time in left field. I think we're going to see that a lot earlier this year because every win is going to matter that much more this season. So when it comes to guys like a K, like a Hatch, who maybe just aren't quite there right now, I don't think they're going to get those
2: same big league opportunities that they've gotten in recent seasons. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's, as you said before, injuries will come up and there'll be opportunities probably, but they're more of that depth. They're less of that plan A at this point. And, you know, what you said kind of reminded me of Greg Bird because, yeah. you know, he's been one of the great stories of spring so far and he continues to hit and probably going to be on this team you know barring an unexpected shift he's very well positioned he's really been impressing the Blue Jays decision makers maybe this is an amazing story that's about to happen here maybe he's going to hit 20 home runs off the bench for the Blue Jays in a part-time role and DH and you know have some big hits for them that would be cool I think at the same time the reality is like I looked it up the other day the last time he hit a home run in the major leagues was three years and one day ago So that's a long time. How many plate appearances has he had since though? (laughs) Not many, but I don't, I don't think that helps his case. You know, he's just lacking opportunity and, and health. So, you know, I I just am not totally sold that bird is going to be the solution. And so if three weeks into the month of April, he is out there and he's hitting 160, then I think they would cut bait. I promise I'm going to get off the bullpen. I'm going to go to (laughs) bird.
1: This is an instance of Ben having different information than I have at this point in the spring, right? Like. On the bullpen, two names to watch, Graham Spraker, really impressed. Arizona Fall League last year, the uh, reliever of the AFL, had this massive strikeout season. Great fastball, really changed the way he pitches. The organization wanted him to go from throwing a two-seamer to a cutter. And as he was kind of working on that and tweaking on that, he accidentally discovered this four-seamer. with A ton of ride, a little bit of like quote-unquote rise, not that a fastball ever goes up, but it appears like that to the hitter. Look at his strikeout numbers last year. He got a lot of guys swinging under that ball, a lot of pop-ups, a lot of weak fly ball contact. And Adrian Hernandez, another name to remember, best changeup in the organization. Unbelievable changeup, like 70 grade weapon, gets all kinds of funky swing and miss. Again, another guy with huge strikeout numbers as he's moved up through the minor leagues at Double A last year. Struck a whole ton of dudes out. In big league camp this year, continuing to impress. He is trying to put on muscle because he's not the biggest guy in the world. It's pretty slight of stature, but the Blue Jays trying to get him to bump that fastball up a little bit. Because if his fastball goes from like 91-92 to 93-94, it's going to play really well off of a changeup that he might use like 70% of the time. Any count, first pitch, doubling, tripling, quadrupling up on it. Like It's that good of a pitch so that's agent hernandez another guy to watch this season okay bullpens done we're talking position players right. now you mentioned greg bird yeah i think greg bird could very well be on this team but it, you're almost like kind of punting your decisions to may 1st right like with bird and reese mcguire yep. and the bullpen like these are hard decisions that you were going to have to make if it was 26 man rosters now you have the benefit of like three extra weeks to like extend that competition a little bit and extend when you have to make those decisions. Because look, three weeks into the season, somebody's going to be hurt. Someone's going to be underperforming. Someone else is going to be overperforming. The context is going to be completely different. So if Greg Bird starts the season on this team, I could completely envision a reality where he's off of the team on May 1st. I could also envision a reality where it's like, hey, he's actually bringing us this lefty power off the bench that we really needed. And oh, hey, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. picked up an e injury, and we need to give him a bunch more DH bats. Mm-hmm. And now Greg Bird is playing semi-regularly at first base.
2: Well, it's telling that Lourdes Guerrero Jr. and Kevin Biggio have not yet appeared at first. There are plans to get them in there, so I don't want to read too much into it. But at the same time, if they had no plans of giving Greg Bird a major league spot, they probably would have got those guys in there by now with a week left in spring. To just get them some reps. So that to me says Bird probably makes the team and and probably gets a chance to prove that the power he showed as a Yankees prospect can again be converted at the major league level.
1: Anyone else on the position player side that you know you think could be a factor early
2: in the season or you think has stood out in this camp? You know, it's interesting. Like let's say, for example, that someone, whatever it is, they need five days. They have a minor injury. Then who would be that other position player who's next in line behind Bird? I don't know, man. Fuentes, right? Maybe. Picked up the other day. Nolan Arenado's cousin. Really good defender at third base. Coteau, really versatile, decent OBP,
1: no power. Jordan Groshen's picked up a little injury, so it's not going to be him early in the season, even though I think the Blue
2: Jays wanted him to be at AAA, getting regular playing time. I'm not sure that there's a clear next in line position player. And I mean, you could go to Josh Palacios or Otto Lopez, but both those guys were options. You know, again, that says to me, they're not pushing like right on that cusp. I don't know. You know, this is a great problem to have. The Blue Jays, we can't say it enough. They're a really good team. They look like one of the best teams in baseball. We're talking about stuff at the edge of the roster. These are the absolute best problems to have in spring training i'm just not sure who that next person in line would be
1: no and i feel like maybe there's somebody obvious on the roster resource page that we don't have in front of us that i'm overlooking but like yeah nobody is coming to mind yeah top of mind i don't know that there's a position player that's done a ton for their stock in this camp although like as i sit here today i couldn't tell you a single player stat line I couldn't tell you the Blue Jays record. I couldn't tell you if they won or lost yesterday. Like I've gotten to a point just spring results to me
2: are absolutely worthless. They mean nothing to me. For me, the things that can matter in spring would be velo for a pitcher. Process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are results in a sense, you know, if you see the see the radar gun reading, then certainly the guy did it. It's a real thing that he did. So yeah, I think really high exit velos really high pitch readings that would matter to me strikeout rates, even in a small sample can be significant. So even then we're 10 games in. So I don't think we have enough process matters at this time of year. And it's like it's hard to
1: gauge process with hitters. It's easier with pitchers because you get the data, right? Like, I guess with the hitters, you get the exit velo. Yep. Like that, that helps. Santiago Espinal's exit velo has been up this spring for what that's worth, but it's also like, three batted balls, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't even want to read too much into exit velos in the spring. You just don't get the same data as you do with pitchers where like, I literally know that Kikuchi's like velo was down in his last outing and I literally know like the spin on, you know, Ryan Barucki's slider. Like I have that information for hitters. Like we aren't at the stage yet. Hopefully someday we are where there's like a baseball savant for bat speed and for things like that. But we don't have those numbers that the Blue Jays are looking at.
2: If Espinal Went out and hit a ball 118, then that would be like, whoa, whoa. Um, you know, at this point, I don't think he's done that. I haven't checked the readings recently with Kikuchi, too. Even like, if you have a veteran lefty, and I know Velocity is a part of his game, I'm not saying he's a soft tosser, but you have a veteran lefty arriving this spring with a relatively short ramp up, even there, I'm not really reading into it. Josh Fuentes, like, that's probably I like a
1: guy, right? Like, the Blue went out and got him for. Yeah. A reason. I, I just went through the roster resource. There's nobody we're overlooking. Like yeah. that's, you know, the blue just went out and got him there. You know, it was kind of telling at the time that he was brought in in this camp, right? Pretty shortly after the Groshen's injury as well. So there's something there with Kikuchi. Yeah. If it's two starts in a row where the Velo's down, then you're like, okay, what's going on here? Right. But you need to see him in his next outing. What did you make of the fact that Harper got him twice? Gregorius took him deep as well so that's three homers to lefties against Harper one of them was like a terribly located slider curveball whatever he's calling it whatever he's calling his breaking pitch the other was a cutter that like wasn't that poorly located? It was, that was just kind of like Bryce Harper being Bryce Harper, but those two pitches are so important for him. Like he's really working to make adjustments on those two pitches. Another thing I wrote about at sports.ca is like the specific adjustments that Yusei Kikuchi is trying to make to avoid what happened to him over the second half of 2021 when the hard contact was worst in baseball, when he, when the ball was leaving the yard at really high rates. Like don't forget, like Yusei Kikuchi finished. 2021 in a pretty bad spot. Mm-hmm. The Blue Jays are trying to get him to use his his slider curveball to different parts of the zone. They want the cutter in on righties. Obviously, Harper and Gregorius both left-handers, but they took out a slider and a cutter. Those aren't the results, I think, that Kikuchi wanted from the process tweaks he's trying to make.
2: I saw a clip and uh, Joe made a great call on the, on the broadcast. I'm sure some people listening now saw this, but he said, hey, I wonder if Bryce just waits breaking ball, sits breaking ball here. And he got one and he hammered it. So that's, that appeared to be what Harper was doing. He's to me, like Bryce Harper, you know, Mike Trout, Juan Soto, like if these guys take you deep. It's, you know, it's going <laughs> to happen. You're going to, you're going to have some days where Harper takes you deep a couple times and that's fine. You say Kikuchi needs to be getting DD D. Gregorius out is what he's saying. Hey, look, spring, spring game, right?
1: Spring, exactly. Yeah. But that's the type of hitter that you say Kikuchi should be eating for lunch, right? Gregorius did not have a good year yeah. offensively. Last year, lefty bat, free swinger. like That's a guy that I think Kikuchi needs to do better at. So it, it's going to be interesting to see his next outing. Jose Barrios, that was a guy who got rocked his last time out that I saw him mm. against the Phillies. And I gave up a bunch of contact the time before that as well. On some day in time and space, Jose Barrios took the mound against the minor leaguers, chucked 70 pitches, five shutty struck a bunch of guys out, bunch of swing and miss broke a bunch of bats, really strong results compared to the ones that he had seen earlier in camp. That gets back to the process results thing because earlier in camp, I think it was the Phillies start. Brio's just like threw nothing but two seamers and change-ups. Like he barely threw his breaking ball, and we all know how important that pitch is to him. And after the game, we're talking to him, and he's laughing and confident and happy, and he's like, yeah, I wanted to go out and like work on my change-up today, and I feel like I did. Pitchers will do that, especially veteran guys on seven-year extensions, whose you know whose place in MLB is secured, will go out and just try to kind of experiment and use these starts to try to tinker with things. And then I kind of wonder in the outing on Monday, Barrios, who's going to be the Blue Jays' opening day starter. It's not announced yet, but he's going to be sort of flipped the switch and said, all right, it's go time now. Like now it's time to be Jose Barrios in season form and ramp up and start
2: really getting after it. Yeah. And, you know, these are the things that, as you say, you know, if you're a veteran with that kind of stature in the league and if you're a veteran with, as you say, that kind of financial certainty, you can take your time a little bit. And for the Blue Jays, that's a good thing. For Barrios... As you say, it's hard to gauge if and when to really show a lot of concern over these veteran starters. My instinct watching spring training games over the years is basically until it's the regular season, until these guys are out there struggling in multiple regular season starts, I just assume they're going to be the guys that they have been before. Let's slide in a Pete Walker
1: update here so we can finish talking about baseball. I feel like we should get to this. Pete Walker pleaded not guilty to the DUI charge. He was arrested and charged with... There's a legal process playing out, essentially. So I wouldn't expect any public comments from Pete Walker or the organization during a legal process. Obviously, it would not behoove anybody to do that. Pete Walker has not been suspended by the Toronto Blue Jays. He has not been suspended by Major League Baseball. So there is no reason for him not to be in uniform with this club right now, as he has been. He's been with the team On the road over the weekend, on Monday, he was at the player development complex working. He was participating in meetings with pitchers who were being sent out. I would expect that to be status quo. Like I don't see any reason right now. I don't have any reason to believe Pete Walker would have trouble crossing the border as things stand today. He hasn't been convicted of anything. I believe he'll be in Toronto on opening day with this club, have his name Announced and carry forward like that until the legal process has resolved itself. If he's ultimately convicted, then he might have to look into getting an exemption to be able to cross the border, having that prior conviction on his record. But right now, everybody involved is going to let that legal process play out between Walker's attorney down here and the Pinellas County court system before there is any kind of Advancement
2: of any other action. I think that's well put. I think that's a fair expectation for how things are likely to move forward here. Major League Baseball is aware, of course, they are monitoring it. You know, they're in touch with the Blue Jays and seeing where it goes. But for now, we've seen Pete Walker working, continue to work with the the Blue Jays, and that certainly is the plan as things proceed from here.
1: That's really all there is to say about it, but you know, it's important to update people on that. And we, of course, will continue covering it at sports.ca is more, you know, as the legal process unfolds, but that can take some time. So I, I wouldn't expect anything soon from anybody in, in regards to the Pete Walker back to the field of play. Let's finish up with prospects because we saw two rather good ones sent out by the Blue Jays, two guys who, one, who really made waves in this camp one who didn't even appear in a game yeah. in this camp. Let's start with Aurelvis Martinez because he's a guy like I'd never seen him play before, obviously. I cover the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't cover low-a baseball. I'd never seen him live. Now that I've seen him, like can confirm he is a different sound off the bat guy. Like he's one of those dudes where you watch enough BPs and you watch enough games and the crack sounds different off of Vlad's bat and off of Bo's bat and off of Arelvis Martinez's bat. I think there's still work to be done with the swing decisions, with the discipline at the plate, the management of the strike zone. He's young. That's to be expected. But there are like some very promising
2: raw tools here with Urelvis Martinez. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's cool that he had the chance to show them off. It's always... One of those really interesting things when a young prospect shows up and impresses, you know, not only people in the media like ourselves, but the actual players yeah. and the big league players start to be impressed. And they, go, Whoa, this guy is legit. I remember 2018 Marcus Stroman on the Blue Jays and he was making the case at the time for Vlad and Bo to kind of break camp with the team. And, you know, it didn't happen that way, but he was and I might be getting that slightly wrong, but he was like oh, yeah. stoked about how good. Vladdy and Bo were. So now that's happening with Oralvis Martinez, still a lot of development and work to do could happen quickly. And so it's an exciting time to follow him. And then in contrast to that, Gabriel Moreno never gets into a game. Let me finish on Martinez. Most likely he spends his year at A, right? Like, is there
1: a way that, cause I know that it, every spring it becomes a topic, right? Some prospect like goes off and it's like, call him up now. Is there any way that he forces his way to the bigs this year or is the most likely scenario he gets a full year at double A, maybe a taste of triple A at the
2: end? I think both. I I think the most likely is he spends most of the year at double A. I think double A is his his level for the year, basically. But who knows? I mean, players surprise us all the time. And if there's a need, if the Jays are in the playoffs, if they're down, you know, they need one more bat. You know, you never know. You never know. And I think if you're a Relvis Martinez, you move forward with at least that possibility and hope in your mind. The scenario I envision is like late season playoff push.
1: He's had his time at Double A, makes some adjustments, refinements needs to. He's had a good statistical season. He's healthy. Matt Chapman gets hit by a pitch and misses six week with a fractured whatever that, and it's like, hey, we need impact right now. You know, we could bring up Otto Lopez or Ghost Kato and they could hang, or we could bring somebody who's going to barrel the ball and who's going to make big impact. Like that's the scenario I could foresee with Gabriel Moreno. I could foresee a scenario by the friggin' all-star break, dude. Sure. Like I could see a real early scenario this year. He is good talking to me. And I know we didn't see him in this yeah. camp. He came in late with a visa issue. He wasn't ramped up, built up, right? Because he was just kind of like hanging out, waiting for that visa to get dealt with. Comes in, he was in camp for a few days and then he gets sent out. So we didn't even see him in a game, but just talking to people about him, like people talk about him differently. They talk about him like they talked about Bo Bichette when he was on the way up and Vladimir Grayo Jr. when he was on the way up. Like they don't just talk about him like they would just run of the mill prospects. Oh yeah. I talked to somebody yesterday. I said, Hey, how would you evaluate his bat? And they said, it's a big league bat today. The work is behind the plate and that's the toughest position to transition to the majors to at. But I mean, as a hitter,
2: I think Gabriel Moreno is going to go to AAA and have another big year. Oh, yeah. I think that's a fair expectation. And I think for him, AAA is the level. And at that point, you know, you're close. You're close. And so he's got to get some reps in. Last year, I think he played a total of 27 games, if I'm not mistaken. So the reps are important for him, both behind the plate and at the plate. If he has a good couple months and if at the end of May, if he's got a 950 OPS and 10 home runs at that point. We've seen it with Alec Manoa. We've seen it with Kirk. We've seen it with Pearson. When these guys are ready, I don't think there's necessarily a hesitation. I don't think that there's, especially with some new provisions in the CBA around service time manipulation. I don't think it's that. I really think it is when he's ready. And we don't know when that is going to be at this point as we sit here in March. But there's a pathway for him this year. Was all 100 Kirk ready to call a big league game in 2020?
1: Probably as ready as Gabriel Moreno is now let's be honest so we've seen it before like you know six eight weeks of health and good production Gabriel Moreno is going to be breaking down the door to the big leagues.
2: Well a lot can change in six weeks and, and will change like the right now we're sitting here the, it's been years since things look this good for the Blue Jays but things will change both good and bad and one way or another that could open up pathways for some of these guys. That's an uplifting note to end the podcast on. Just wait for the bad things that could happen. There will be some. There will be. It's, it's a long season. You know, no one gets through without them. No one gets through. And there will be good things too, but there's no, no team avoids it.
1: No, in six to eight weeks, we're going to be talking about somebody who suffered a major injury, somebody who we aren't talking about now, who has way overperformed and is a factor and somebody who we are assuming right now yeah. is going to be a source of production who is absolutely not. Every year, every team, speaking of prospects, speaking of catchers, who rushed to the big leagues in an awful quick way, Alejandro Kirk, just kind of sit down with us, player development complex, along with Blue Jays interpreter, Hector Tito LeBron, you know, interesting and somewhat revealing conversation with Alejandro Kirk that we can't wait for everybody here. So after this, Blue Jays catch Alejandro Kirk. Alejandro, Hector, Tito LeBron, the legendary interpreter, thank you for the time. Alejandro, there is this story about how the Blue Jays discovered you in Mexico at a workout and that they weren't even looking for you and they kind of stumbled across you when when they were there. I, I'm just curious for your perspective on that workout. What do you remember from that day and from first being discovered, I suppose, by, by the Blue Jays? Bueno, yo creo que... Like, nobody told us who was coming to watch the
0: game and scouting. If any scout from any organization was uh, going to be there or looking for you know, a particular player or not, every day they just told us just to be
1: ready and, and just go out there and work hard because you never know who's watching. Growing up in Tijuana, you know, you're playing ball as a young kid. Who taught you how to hit? I can
0: tell you in a specific name right now because I mean, since it's a little league, uh, back in Mexico, my dad, uh, he was the manager, like the coach of my team most of the time. But he didn't know much about the technique, how to tell me how to hit. Uh, just some of the other coaches told me about hitting a little bit there, but no, no, no one specific. I just, you know, kind of take a little bit from everyone, and, and that's the way
1: everything went. So what did your dad teach you about the game then, when you were young, Do you still carry with you now?
0: I'll say just the basic thing, the, the little things, are how to catch a ball, how to take ground balls, how to step on uh, the plate. That was what I got for him.
2: So wherever you've been in the minor leagues, you've always hit, and in, in the major leagues you've hit as well. I'm wondering, you know, when you watch baseball, either as a catcher when when you're on defense or on TV, who are your favorite hitters to watch? Like, who are the hitters that you draw inspiration from?
0: One of the chiquitos. I would say
2: Albert Pujols. That was my favorite players, and I like the way
0: uh, he went about his business, the way he, of course, the way he hits. So I love to watch him when I was younger in the minors, but now. That I'm here. I love to watch, of course, Vladdy, George, Teo. I like the way they go about
2: their business every day, trying to pick some things uh, that can make me better. On Vladdy, I mean, we saw such an amazing season from him last year. What do you think it is that he does best? Like what, how has he been able to kind of elevate his game to the point that he's an MVP candidate? Oh, definitely. Um, of
0: course, he stay healthy all year. I mean, that allows him to keep that rhythm through the year. And bloody uh, Swin, he's, aggr- he's very aggressive. I mean, when you're very aggressive at the play, you, I mean, uh, you always have a chance. Uh, and He's disciplined, it's unreal. So, I mean, you gotta love that from Vladi.
1: The thing that always stands out to me about your game is just how calm you are and poised in really high-pressure moments at the highest level. It's a very low heart rate. Have you always been that way? Where do you think that comes from? I mean, from the
0: outside, from you guys, you you, you probably don't see it, but uh, there's always pressure. There's uh, emotions uh, that with the time I uh, I know how to handle and I try to
1: not let everybody notice that. Do you think it's more nature or nurture? You know, is it the way you grew up, or is it is your family just generally calm? People. I mean, there's clearly is something that allows you to be this way at such a young age in the big leagues.
0: Yeah, definitely runs in the family. If you guys, uh, mean my dad, uh, he's so calm that I mean, that's why
2: I am like that, bro. Yeah, yeah, definitely runs in my family. For sure. And this year, if you do end up doing some DHing because that is a bit of an open job on this team. How do you approach that? Do you like to DH? Do you, do you enjoy that? Uh, of course, you're a catcher and, and I'm sure we'll see you a lot behind the plate, but on those days that you are DHing, how do you um, how do you feel about that?
0: I mean, I, I'm, I'm fine with both. I mean, obviously, I like, would like to be behind the plate the most I can because I like to watch the game from there. I feel like I have the control. But if I'm DHing, I'm, I'm fine with that. In any position that I can help the team win, I'll be fine and I'll do my best, being DH or catch. Has your
1: dad gotten to come see you play live in, in the big leagues yet?
0: Yeah,
1: last
0: year, actually, my parents, they both had the opportunity to, they've been to Toronto.
1: How special was that moment? I mean, what was that like for you to have them there and seeing you living out your dream in Toronto playing for the Blue Jays? Very different
0: and very emotional for me. I mean, they, they were here early in the season and here in Dunedin and they came also to the Tampa series. It was good, it was, but it's not the same when they went to Toronto there. When I saw them in Toronto, it was very,
2: very, very emotional for me. What did they kind of take away from that? Like, did they... You know, see Kirk jerseys in the stands, for example, or did they, you know, seeing in the big stadium, of course. But what were some of the things that they took away from that experience?
0: Dream come true for me, my entire family. And being playing in a, in a huge stadium like the Rogers Center. And like you guys say, um, people wearing my jersey. Uh, it was very, very emotional for my mom my dad.
1: You're definitely popular with Blue Jays fans. Uh, have you noticed that? Either, you know, being around the city last year, you know, in your mentions on Twitter, things like that. Have you really noticed the popularity? Yeah, definitely.
0: I've seen that and noticed that a little bit, but I, but I try to, that not to take me out of my game. And I just want to stay focused on what I do every day to try to help the team in uh, any way that I can. But yeah, yes, I'm, I noticed that a little bit and that's
2: that's it's great. It feels good. You mentioned Pujols before. Have you had the chance to meet him on a major league field and, and uh, connect with him at all?
0: Well, we had the chance last year to, I mean, we play against them, but oh, uh, for some reason I couldn't approach him. Either he was busy, I was busy, and I'm, I kind of was kind of, I mean, I don't have the initiative to go on there and, you know, say hi to him. But yeah,
2: he was close. So, so you guys play them You go, go to St. Louis in May And he just signed with St. Louis I'm sure you saw So are you going to maybe get Vladdy Or someone to kind of connect you guys When you're there um, in St. Louis? Well, I don't see. You yeah, like definitely I'm not going to miss that opportunity this year I don't
0: know if I have to use Vladdy or, or some of the other guys from the Dominican Republic But I'll, I'll use somebody
1: But I will meet him you, this year dude. definitely Awesome Well, I wish you the best of luck Thanks for your time, Tito Thank you, Alejandro Talk soon, man Thank you Ben, I don't know about you. Like I have passing conversations with Alejandro Kirk throughout the year. They're they're very surface level, right? You know, usually it's just a little bit of of banter in the dugout or something like that. Like I I haven't really gone like as deep with him as we did in that conversation. So it was actually really cool to hear a bit about the family history and a bit about his backstory that he doesn't really talk about that often.
2: Yeah, 100%. It, w- it was really cool. And, you know, it's it's nice to hear about his family, what it meant for him to have them in Toronto last year, to hear a little bit about Albert Pujols and what he's looking forward to and potentially meeting, of course, a future Hall of Famer and Pujols. So really cool conversation. And one of those things that you can probably do a little more easily in spring training. And so definitely thank you to Alejandro Kirk and thank you to Hector LeBron for making the time for us and and letting us get to know him a little bit better. Then over under Albert
1: Pujol's career home runs at the end of the 2022 season, 699
2: and a half. I hate to do this because (laughs) I really would love to see. I love that storyline. I love that he's back in St. Louis. It's such a perfect baseball storyline with Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. I just he's not hitting 21 home runs, though. I mean, if he does, like, I will be thrilled. I think he's, I would say, 690. I want the Cardinals to be absolute crap, fall out of the
1: race, so they can play him every day, and he can, like... Stop trying to take walks and stuff and literally just grip it and rip it every time he's up there. I'd sign up for that. That would make the end of like a dispiriting, demoralizing, losing Cardinals season very watchable for me on MLB TV.
2: It was so cool seeing him take that uniform and take the field for the first time in a Cardinal. Well, for the first time in a long time in that Cardinals uniform. Yeah, no doubt. Plenty going on across the baseball world. Plenty
1: going on for the Blue Jays. We're going to have you covered for all of it this season on at uh, The Letters. Ben and I, every week. Talking about what's going on with the Blue Jays Really excited for you guys to get to see a bit of what we've been able to produce down here in Florida You can check that out Some of that will be on the podcast feed Some of it will be on Sportsnet's YouTube feed Some of it is sportsnet.ca We're going to let you know where you can find it But yeah, some really cool stuff coming want to give a huge, huge shout out to Nick Andrade and Amal Delich Who are down here with us in Florida on the ground Helping produce all this stuff Um, None of this happens without them and their hard work—it's huge. And by the way, shout out Christian Ryan, who will be with us throughout the season, producing as well.
2: Yeah, exactly. Huge support to make these kind of podcasts happen. As Arden said, we're really excited to share what we have coming, and it would not be possible without Amal and Nick and Christian.
1: Absolutely stoked for this season—not only Blue Jays baseball, but with that, the letters. Uh, he's Ben Nicholson Smith. My name's Arden Zwelling. We'll talk to you next time on at the letters.